You said the world was going to end when? Uh, what time is it? <laughs> Start the game already! Hey. Hey, what's going on? Uh, so I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. The I may have asked this before. I don't know, and I don't know if I've asked it actually while people were listening or not. Did you actually drop a bottle cap on the ground to record that, or did you pick that up somewhere? I picked that sound up. Actually, we were talking about it just before we hit record. Uh, Pixabay, yeah, has a whole bunch of sound effects, and uh, that was one of them. Royalty free, accreditation not needed, but uh, hey, we got it from Pixabay. A lot of our sound effects and music come from Pixabay. It's a great resource. Shout out to those guys. And all of the people who contribute to it, because it's like a crowdsourcey thing, right? Indeed. So we've had a busy day on the YouTube channel today. We have. For those um, of you that tuned in two episodes ago, we talked about kicking off a little side series. And the name of it's still up in the air. Right now we're calling it Nerd Fights. But the general idea was that we would challenge each other to do something. We'd both contribute to the idea in some way that may or may not blend together very well. And then we'd go do it. Uh, it was meant to be just this small thing. And I think we both took the first kick at the can way too seriously. But bit. I have to say, I had a blast with it. It was, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed listening uh, to yours. Um, I was both uh, extremely impressed and a little bit peeved at uh, you, including your wife in the project. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that was sort of a spur of the moment thing. And I have to say, that's one of the things that I was most happy about. Oh, she nailed it out of the park. Oh, Absolutely. But we, when we do things, like we both have creative things that we do, but it's, mm-hmm. it's rare that they're creative things together. And, and I don't want to oversell this, but I, uh, I asked her to do it and she said, sure, but I'm not sure entirely she, you know, she got the idea right away because like I was trying to describe it. And as soon as I broke out, well, it's a D&D one shot and it's like, are, are you going to be doing this one shot? Well, no, we're just, the challenge is to do the intro, you know? <coughs> and it, it, it's it's going to be Detective Noir, but also uh, Telson's furry fixation. I, uh, I mean, I would like to object, but, you know. You're not in a position to object. I'm, I'm not. I, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, is that, like, uh, our cuteness uh circuits are overloaded by animated anthropomorphic animals mine too so there you go mm-hmm. um having said that though i actually had an idea and it floated around my brain i didn't remember it until just now and that is what if we actually like made some kind of a one shot slash story slash module whatever sort of going off of the the two things that we did it'd be fun it also sounds like work work yeah so what are the odds that we actually follow through on it 
uh, <laughs> pretty low. Uh, but before I put, you know, move off of the idea of, of getting my wife involved, because yes, she was my trump card. She did really, really well. Like she was a good sport about it. And I, I basically just set her up, hey, this is kind of what I want. Think Jessica Rabbit. Like I didn't play her any of the stuff that I was recording. I had a Google Doc that I just sort of wrote out a script and I said, this line or two right here, that's what I want you to read. And she's like, okay. Yeah. And going through the editing process on it early this morning, I have to say that I think that's my favorite part about it. Not the part that she did, but that we actually did something together like that. I I gotta say, man, it, it, the part that she did is is the standout feature of your little blurb. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and I, again, I'm not trying to sell that part of it short. She did amazing, but it was that we we did something that creative together for no reason at all. Like it has no purpose. It was a dumb, silly idea that is not going to, you know, few people are going to watch it and zero people are going to remember it. But it means something to me because. It's one of my nerdy, dorky things that she was like, yeah, I'll get involved in that. Yeah. She did it. And, you know, no questions asked, basically. And, oh, that's and it was cool. Good. Yeah. I did a little bit of a workshopping of the idea with my wife, but I never even considered the idea that, you know, of hiring a voice actor. Come on. <laughs> uh, I had fun with the whole thing, though. And it was not, a fun thing. I'm not embarrassed to say at all that I spent more time fussing over, <laughs> you know, three minutes worth of dialogue. Yeah. But this is why I could never write a book, right? Because I'd never finish the prologue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The first three pages would get edited a million times. And, th and that's exactly where I'm at because I have like three or four books, stories, whatever that I've started writing. And I can't get past that point because it's like, it's not good enough. I have to redo it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had exactly the same experience queuing up and, and changing the timing of when does that thunder start? You know, when does, when does this, what kind of clinking noises do I want in the background? Yeah. So did you record most of it in a single take? Yes. Yeah. There's a little bit, of, I, I bobbled a little bit of, uh, of one line when I was talking about him taking off his hat and smoothing back what's left of his hair. There was a little bit of a hitch there and I'm just like, you know what? The premise was, is that like, I'm reading this as an opener for a one shot. So I, I did it. And I think I actually did. I did do it in sort of three chunks. Uh, and then I, I sort of put it all together. Uh, but it was, yeah, I mean, I, I did. I think I, I started recording three times because I made a complete and utter hash of it. The first two. And then I recorded it all just the third time done. I did spend an awful lot of time looking for sound effects on Pixabay and putting them in and crossfading them from here to there. And yeah, uh, it was funny. Uh, like I want to get into the meat of what we did and talk about our approach a little bit different, but it's just a couple of obvious things I want to point out while they were very, very different. Mm -hmm. and I don't know how you can do noir furry anthropomorphic animal <laughs> things, you know, a million different ways or whatever, but they were very different, but they were also, there was a lot of similarity so much so that we landed on the same background music by accident yes. completely. That was hilarious. It's the that perfect music for both of them though. Oh yeah. 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 Um, 
I tried something a little bit different with mine, and I think it probably hurts me a little bit. Like, I mean, this isn't about winning anymore. It was, it was oh. the experience of doing it, but it was never about winning. If, if you look and look at it from the angle of like trying to achieve the objectives, I think I strayed away from it being a D and D one shot opener a little bit. It's more in line, like what I talked about last week about doing sort of the mission briefs. Yeah. And I was, I was trying to be cognizant of the fact that like I was running a detective one shot or I'm planning a detective one shot. So I didn't want to answer all the questions up front, even about like what's going on. I wanted to leave it pretty vague because the assumption would be, okay, you're detectives now. Yeah. Start asking questions. And that's kind of how I left it, uh, which is different from me. Like normally my approach when I, I, I do it is a little bit more similar to what you did, where it's like. I'm giving you the lead in so that you don't yep. have too many questions. You're ready to just start making decisions and acting. Here's the yeah. hook. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and that's the funny thing is because typically I do, because I, I noticed about uh, your piece that you did a, a lot more uh, world building. There was a lot more, here's who you are um, and here's what the world is. Yeah, I was really he, focused on tone more than yes direction. You know, yeah, you you set you you set the tone really well. I was much more focused on uh, sort of you know here's a, a, a like an opening scene kind of thing and a hook mm -hmm. to get you started, which is weird because that's exactly the opposite of what I normally do. Because what I normally do is I give people a whole bunch of vague wishy washy stuff let them, you know, be their characters and figure out where they're going. And then that directs what happens with the adventure. Uh, so it's almost like we flip, flip flopped exactly our normal styles. That's neat. Yeah, it was a lot and, of fun to do. Oh, it was a blast. Uh, before we get in the weeds, I should say, the idea here is anybody that's listening, you can go to our YouTube channel, Nerding Under the Influence. And you'll find a new playlist called Nerd Fights, or it's just in our latest videos. There's a recap of our uh, session last week where we kicked off the idea, if you want to reference it. But there's two submission videos, one from Telson, one from myself. Uh, the idea is that you listen to them. If you like them both, like them both. If you like one more than the other, maybe maybe just like that one. And we'll, we'll use that as sort of a, a rough idea of declaring a winner not you know we're all winners here but this is a <laughs> this is going to be an ongoing mildly to moderately competitive thing i think and I while i'm so. just basking in the afterglow now of the experience of it and how much fun i had at some point i'm going to care about winning <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm i'm just i like i just want to take part i just want to play that's it Oh, um, I do. I do like the idea, though, of of picking up sort of this. I don't know what you call it, this thread or this idea. <laughs> and even if it's, you know, three minutes at a time, maybe we do maybe we do alternate weeks where one week you do a three minute. Here's how the story goes. and The next week I do a three minute. Here's what happens next. Sort of a, an experience in chain storytelling. I don't know. Might be worth exploring. See how long we can keep it going before either one of us gets bored. Yeah. I think if we're going to do that. We're going to want uh, something a little meatier. Well, not meatier, but we're, you know, 
we already did this and I know myself, I'm already a little married to my ideas. Uh-huh. And if it were a, a D&D game and I was playing with players, obviously you need to be able to break up with your ideas. But because it's more of a creative exercise, I, I think I think I would need to go into something with the intention of it being a baton passing type thing so that I don't I don't get married to the idea too much. I would approach okay. it a little bit differently too, right? Like so that there was some direction, some breadcrumbs. Yeah, a little but bit, more, a little more bit like, more yes and. Well, and more like well, we were talking in our Star Wars episode about how they had zero planning and there was just oh, yeah. like nobody talked to each other and and nobody more importantly had any consideration for what would come after they were done. Mm-hmm. So they just did what they want to do and fuck it, this is your problem now. And I think I would want to approach that sort of exercise from just a like, hey, here's some ground rules. If we're going to introduce some stuff, just don't close the book on it for the other person. You know, like don't, Fair. don't, don't shut down other people's ideas. And at the same time, don't, you know, it's sort of like sharing the spotlight as a tabletop player. Sure. You know, and, sure. I, and I think just. I think we'd need to, we'd need to strike the balance between, um, between having, having an idea, having a structure, having some rules that makes sense so that we can actually, um, you know, carry forward and have an idea of sort of where we're going, but at the same time, not lose the idea of the utter chaos that happens of, we don't have a plot. There is no plot. We're improvising mm-hmm. as we go along. Right. So I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to. Uh, no, I wouldn't want to create like a big plan, like the, the sort no. of the, the framework of a plot. Like I, I just more establish what the courtesies are that we're going to yes you know pay respect to with regards to this being a shared story and and exactly yeah it would have to be importantly too is is characters would have to be sort of this is who the character is right um and there might have to be a little bit of consultation about like okay in this situation how would how would this character that you are responsible for creating how would they react yeah. Right. Not necessarily like tell me what they would say or what they would do, but like what would be their like would they like this? Would they dislike it? Would they hate it? That kind of thing. You know, general vibey things. So to take this one step further, because I like to overcomplicate everything. Of course. Do we make this not a D and D thing at all? And we approach this more like we talked a long time about doing like radio serial style yeah. kind of. Um, I, I think so. Yeah. You know, don't actually go to the trouble of voicing it, but create it as if that was sort of the, the, the goal. Even if we were just sort of rough voicey storyboardy or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, I see this as being a long term project that we just kind of pick away as we got some spare time or whatever. Yeah. That's the other important thing to to go back to the the nerd fights moving forward. We probably need to make this like a a monthly thing rather than a a weekly or bi-weekly thing. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's the kind of thing where, or, or we do something where we space it out where one person go. No, it it makes sense to do it. I think by the month, because they both should, should, whatever it is, they should both come out at the same time. Uh, And I think monthly makes sense or bi-monthly, even quarterly doesn't Mm. have to be. You know, I spent, uh, 
probably a couple of hours coming up with ideas just in the back of my head, like mostly when I was not doing anything else anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I spent about, about three hours today putting it together. So this one, this one wasn't really all that time consuming. Uh, you know, a couple of hours in the writing and then, well, I guess it was probably about six hours in total. So maybe it was a little time consuming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, while we're trying to do other things like keep jobs and keep marriages what? and, you know, I don't really like working. Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Oh yes. I don't yes. think I can do that anymore either. Many, many Baldur's Gates. We didn't, you know what? We skipped the first little bit. Um, for the, the people who don't actually watch the video where we flash our alcohol in front of the camera. Uh, so what are you drinking tonight? Uh, boring. I'm drinking Summersby regular apple cider. And I have vodka and pink lemonade. I really, really want to get through this vodka to the point where I might just get fantastically drunk tonight so that I have to replace it for next week. I mean, you can use it as a cleaner. You don't have to drink it. Yeah, but that that feels wasteful. Have you looked at the price of good cleaners lately? That's uh, true. It's true. You might be coming out ahead. <laughs> yeah, but then my house will smell like vodka. Uh... So in terms of wrapping up round one, mm-hmm. we want to give it two weeks. That sounds about and right. Then we'll we'll talk about the next one at least. Come yeah. Up with an idea for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I came up with the idea for this one, so I think the next one should be your idea. Okay, I'll come up with the format, and then we'll each. Yeah. Contribute to the the topic. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Oh, I would like also to say because I did I wrote in the show notes, uh, which, I mean, nobody but us ever sees. Uh, that we should t- talk about round one and how Shane cheated by recruiting talent. Um, but I would also like to say that we set a hard limit of three minutes and my video is three minutes and 19 seconds. That's the first thing I pointed out. I won. <laughs> I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt because I know at the end I was like, oh, I'm going to kick him just the the uh, the nutty image to throw on as a bumper thinking that, oh, well, he's probably got that just sitting in front of it or something. No. No, you were just over here. I was, I was squished. And when I, I let Cindy listen to it, and the one comment she had was, "There's, it's a little bit condensed, like it's a little squished." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I got diarrhea of the keyboard, and I just kept writing and writing." And I'm like, "All of this is good stuff. I have to say it." That was a pretty big challenge for me too. Like I, I paced out the writing and and reading it myself because I, I was going for a tone, so I didn't want it to be sort of rapid dense. And, and, and yeah dense and i ended up recording it my process i didn't do it in one takes i just actually did like three or four takes of each like mini paragraph mm-hmm. uh until i was confident i had one that i'd like and i move on i record three or four takes of the next little block of text uh then the next day or same day whatever had tanya come in and do hers and now she I need to apologize. She part of the her agreeing to do it was that I didn't tell anyone that it was her. But you technically I did. did I'm so sorry. I did not know. That was that was in the blind. 
I, um, I think now that she's heard it, she'd probably be okay with us saying that. That was like the stipulation when she had no idea what the fuck I was talking about. It was like, yeah, I'll do it, but just don't tell anyone it's me. I, anyone who knows her, though, and hears that, it's her. My wife has a hot voice. Huh? Like, like, it's crazy. It's warm. It's soft. Sometimes I have a hard time hearing words. Like, there's, you know, that old stereotype of, like, husbands after they've been married for 10, 15, 20, 30 years where they just, like, don't hear their wife anymore. Yep. And sometimes when we're talking, I don't know if I've, like, my hearing's pretty good. I, I hear things that she doesn't hear constantly. Oh, the dog's outside barking. Oh, there's this going on. Oh, there's somebody about to come in the door. But I have such a hard time picking her out huh? sometimes. And it isn't that I'm actively tuning her out, but she just has that sort of soft mid-range voice yep. that... Uh, it fits really well with jazz. Let's just say that. It, it could... She could be a jazz singer, I think. And it would her voice would fit perfectly. She's yeah. hell of a singer. Oh, there you go. So anyway, uh, back to chunking it up. I recorded all those takes and then I like sliced them up into chunks so that I'd like, here's my three minutes. I put my music down from start to finish, did my fade out of the music. And I'm like, now I need to fit it all in. So there was, a, there was this process in editing it where I was just moving stuff around, trying to adjust timing and gaps to both make it all fit, but make the parts that needed to have enough breathing room um, there. And like my my fallback was there was a couple of pieces that I could have just taken out if I needed a little bit more time. Um, I probably should have done that. I'll be honest with you. I approached this uh, very much with a, uh, like throw the spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. Like I, I, I wrote until I had what I thought was, this is the complete scene. Mm -hmm. And then I read it and went, eh, three minutes and 20 seconds, close enough. <laughs> like I did, there was no timing. There was no, is this going to be enough or too much or not enough? I don't know. I'm going to read it and see how long it takes. Oh, it's, it took about that amount of oh, time. And I suspect that like, I'll be doing one takers by the third or fourth round of doing this stuff. It'll be like, oh shit, I was supposed to have something done today. Uh, yep. Record. <laughs> Fuck it. We'll do it live. I mean, it's we'll pretty much, live. That's pretty much the theme of this podcast, isn't it? It's like, so what's our topic today? Oh, I uh, better write something down. Yeah, we've started recording. You, you better write a script. <laughs> Funny because it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's, it, there's one of those things, like there's, um, Watching some of the, the young kids who are doing YouTube stuff where it's like they just seem so confident in front of the camera or like talking into a microphone. And it's like these are kids in their early 20s who are just like, yeah, you know, I've been doing this now for about 14 years. And I'm like, wow. Like you start something when you like just the experience of doing something makes it easier. Right. So eventually, I think we'll just, eventually we'll get good at this. For those of you who were with us in the beginning, I'm sorry. I hope we get better. <laughs> we'll get better or we'll quit. One of the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nah, I'm I'll just gonna, keep I'm being gonna, bad I'm forever. Be, I'm going to become a professional, like, noir detective. 
I have to say, like as a genre, it's not something I've ever really been in. And most of the stuff that I've ever been exposed to has been parody of it. Yes. And I'm not sure why I picked it. I, I have a feeling. I was watching, um, and this is uh, sort of a parting gift, but not. Um, last week, I think, uh, maybe a week before, I was watching some of the other series, uh, fairly new stuff, like in the past year on the Escapist YouTube channel. Now, for oh, yeah. people that watch Escapist, they think Yahtzee and Zero Punctuation and maybe some of the yes. other stuff that he's done. But they've introduced some new series over the past couple of years that for the most part, I've just like not paid any attention to whatsoever. And one of them was called Cold Take. Okay. And it's just a guy talking about like the video game industry and stuff. Um, but it's done in a in a almost a noir detective-y. Like I don't know if that's exactly what he's going for, whether he's going for like a um more of a Mad Men style thing, but like it's, you know, opens with a shot of somebody pouring a drink and he's got sort of the, the noir-ish inflections in his voice. Uh-huh. I think that's probably what got me thinking about it, because it's really the only only thing like that that I've really been exposed to that I can recall in the last like year. Um, Seth Skorkowski has a, a NPC character called Jack the NPC. I, th- I think it's like he's a jack of all trades because he's it's always Jack the NPC, whether he's in like, you know, a horned helmet and being a barbarian or whether he's in the fedora and the trench coat and being like a private private dick. But he, he does a thing like that where he you know, speaks from the NPC's viewpoint in the, the noir kind of thing. I, uh, I would like to let everybody at home know that I actually started drinking before we started the podcast. So, <laughs> so you could be in for a wild ride. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Cause like, we've got another half hour plus of this episode and another hour to do, and I'm out of ideas. <laughs> we we might have to dig into the uh the uh treasure trove of Ian questions. <laughs> to to do an entire we'll do it like an Ian focused uh episode where we just answer Ian's questions in agonizing That's, detail. That must might have to be the next nerd fights format. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you and I have to present <laughs> Pod bag questions as if we were Ian. <laughs> uh, I think I've got that one in the bag. The pod bag. There you go. <sighs> so yeah, uh, noir detective. In trying to get into just like the 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 delivery and the style, I have to say I I get the appeal of it. You know, like I think my, I was a kid when like you saw, you know, I saw the movie Dick Tracy, right? Like when I was young, young, young. <laughs> and um, I think of like Captain Picard's holodeck noir detective shit that he was doing on TNG. Yep. And like those were my, my sort of early parody experiences of it. And I know there's, I think... a, there's a whole thing in the, that like old timey kind of, I think it's Here's... one of those things that like never, never really like it's a Hollywood fantasy, like Vikings, right. Or, or pirates yep. where even never the really accent, happened. 
never really happened like that. What do they call it? Like mid-Atlantic, Eastern Atlantic or whatever. It was like a very sort of 1920s, 1930s Hollywood. Like there were books on how to sound this way that actors read so that they could fake it. And then, you know, the stuff that they produced then, the movies and, and whatnot that people that might have an appeal uh, are liking for this genre that's what they think of there's yeah. a funny thing i think and this is this is a, only a guess based on my very vague memories of how this works i think that noir detective might only exist as a parody i think it was probably especially in hollywood like in, in movies and tv shows I think it was a parody of a certain style of book that was written, like a, a pulp novel that was popular in mm-hmm. the in the twenties. Um, because it, there was, I think there were some books that were written in that sort of style uh, that were very much in that oeuvre, or mm-hmm. however you want to say it, uh, or however you want to put it. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that there was ever an actual noir detective movie that was made in seriousness Mm -hmm. but it would be interesting to go and see if we can find one there was and i I don't know like you know obviously there's there isn't a real thing to say i did a realistic depiction of it but in trying to come up with words that felt right like i found myself almost trying to be a little bit poetic now Mm -hmm. i obviously like both of us we had three minutes. So, you know, you take what you think is the appropriate level and then you turn it up twice as high. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, you think you think you're wordy, you think you're you're using, you know. Your purple prose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the 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 it was open up the thesaurus. Okay, I wanna come up with enigma, intrigue, mystery, you know, how many how many ways can I say the same thing kind of over and over with different words and I don't know. I like the vibe. It was, I, I really got into it. I mean, I honestly, I sat down and I wrote, uh, I don't know, like the first couple of lines, the very first thing that popped in my head. And I literally woke up at three o'clock in the morning, reached for my notebook beside my bed and wrote it down was the, uh, the, she was all legs, eight of them. Eight and of they, them. Went they went all, all the way, way up. up. I, I was this close to spitting out my drink as I was listening to that. <laughs> That's, that was the first thing that came to me. And I like, I have to work that in. I don't care what the rest of it is. That line has to go in there. And I started with that and I worked with it like two or three different ways. Uh, and then I deleted all of that and just like, and, and wrote it all. I sat down and wrote the whole thing in like, I don't know, 20 minutes after it had been stewing for 24 hours. It's worth mentioning as weird as the anthropomorphic animal angle of it was we both chose to kind of be subtle with it. Like you could have yes. been overt. Yep. You know, and it just came across as like, unless you were looking for it, you wouldn't know that that's what we were going for. Yeah. I think the, like I was a little bit, um, a little bit descriptive when, you know, he hops across the the bar and sits down on his tail that that makes it obvious that this is probably not a human person, uh, but you could you could uh, take that as a as a metaphor. 
Yeah. And, and maybe that's just part of that sort of style of language and stuff where they would use these sort of nicknames for things anyways, you know, like, yeah, you got your dolls and your dames and your stuff like that. But uh, one of the lines that I wrote was like the birds on the street. Yeah. Yeah. Call you by blah, blah, blah. And it like, unless you knew it was going to be an animal thing that would just come across as like, that's, that's how they completely normal. Yeah. That's how they referred to women in the twenties. Yeah. Yeah. The Fox thing was really nice too, because that was, that was also very much like, it was really subtle. I, I agree that yeah. we, we both came across pretty subtle. You, you mentioned nicknames and something popped into my head. Did you know that, uh, up until, uh, oh, I don't, I don't know when, but the etymology of that is that it was, it was not a nickname. It was an ick name. And then it got split the other way. It's it's weird. We've had we've had uh, we've had several words in English that have done that. They've gone from, you know, it starts with a, a vowel, and we say an instead of a, and then there are some that have gone the other way, where they've lost a letter or gained a letter. I did not know that. So in the case of ick name, I have no idea where that comes function from. Function the same way though. Like was yes. it a, oh, was no, it it's just exactly... a general name, not not like a negative name or something like that. Nope, it was it was exactly the same thing. It was just another way to call something. But hmm. but why? I, I don't know. I don't know. English, Somebody knows. It's something to talk about on another episode is just languages and how they evolve. Because you say, you know, this is English. But like mm. you listen to what was English 200 years ago, 400 years ago, eh, 600 totally years ago. And you get to a point where it's like just unrecognizable. Yeah, but and, English and, is English is like seven different languages in a trench coat, all pretending to be a language anyway. Oh, sure, it's a terrible language. It's trash, but but it's ours. It's ours. It's it's yeah. odd. Well, no, it's not odd. I mean, I know why. It's sort of the common language a lot of the world uses. But uh, what a shitty language to to have it play oh, out man. that way for. We should have we should have used like Latin or um what's that one that the guy made up in, in upstate New York? Oh, like Esperante or Esperanto. Esperanto, yeah. Yeah. Which is basically just, you know, Latin and Spanish all all mangled together, which is sort of amusing because Spanish so actually French. came from Latin. Yeah. <laughs> French, Latin, Spanish. It's all English. It's all the same. It's just offend everyone. Yeah. 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 You don't have a language. There is no language. We don't have a language. Language is language is a construct. It's a social social construct. <laughs> uh I uh I refuse to identify with a language. And I'm blame you. Yeah. I only speak English and badly, but there you go. All right. So closing out the nerd fights thing. Please, if you're listening, check out the YouTube channel. Give us a vote. Telson cheated. So vote for me. I what? No, Shane cheated because it was supposed to be a read-in, not a not a voice acting gig. You know, for up and coming voice actor. It was a read-in. Yeah, you're supposed to. It's you reading it in, not you and your wife reading it in. We weren't explicit about that. We were explicit about. In fact, if you play back that little part, you're like two minutes. I know. And I'm like, ah, let's do three. And you're like, could you imagine? Yes. I mean, DM do three and a half minutes and you just got to sit there. Just want to play, man. And here you are fucking three minutes and 20 seconds. 
<laughs> now, to be fair, the first five or six seconds of that are actually just music. So? And, and there are a few seconds of silence on the end. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just You're, saying I've, I fit my music and silence in exactly three minutes. Yeah. Because I'm not a big cheater. <laughs> I had too many words to fit in three minutes. Also, what was I, with the four by three aspect ratio? Was that intentional or just? Uh, it, it's one by one, actually. Uh, and oh. it's because I, the picture that I chose, which was the perfect picture, was actually, I think, taken on a cell phone. So I chopped off a bunch of the top and the bottom and I couldn't get it to anything wider than that. Uh, if I had, you know, more time and I was interested in making it an actual video as opposed to audio with a picture on it, I would have done some like black bars or I would have, you know, stretched it or added some vignette or something. But mm. eh, it's about the audio and the picture is just there. So you got something to look at. Mm. I think it set the right tone. Yeah, well, it was fine. I'm, I'm just just picking it. Yeah. Yeah. All Leave right, a like so you... for both of them so that, you know, we can... Yeah. Get lots of yeah. This new this is not us trolling for engagement at all. I mean, it is a bit, but I mean, if you if you like it, great. And if you don't like it, why are you even here? <laughs> if you don't like it, please make sure to leave a comment about why you don't like it. Yes, we got to get that engagement somehow. Yeah. All right. So you uh, made some notes in here. Uh, I, I don't know where this is going to go. Famous people you have no interest in meeting. Um, I, it, the way, where it came from is that we do at work, we have a thing, uh, where we do like a, a once a month, we do a, a sort of, it's a zoom, zoom call type thing, uh, where we have a, a social meeting and there will be a question, uh, a thing like one, one week it was like, tell us your favorite dad joke. Um, and <clears throat> one of the things is that, is that, you know, the manager who's in charge of it has asked like, Hey, I'm, um, I can't come up with all the ideas for these things myself. If you have a suggestion for for a question or a topic for us to talk about, send it in. Uh, and I had come across this idea that, uh, especially in the, like all of these team building exercises, everybody always asks, "Tell us something interesting about yourself." Right? And I mean that's a struggle. But here's the thing: tell me something boring about yourself. I'll start. I I don't like white pasta sauce. Does it matter? Does anyone care? Absolutely not. It's a boring fact. So I like to kind of flip those uh, questions on their head because it, it got me to thinking about things in a different way. So rather than, hey, tell me who your favorite celebrity is that you want to meet, tell me a celebrity you have absolutely no interest in meeting. And I mean, for both of us, I think it's probably going to be a longer list than the celebrities we actually want to meet. Yeah, but almost all of them. Yeah. Um, Pick one out. I mean, there's a couple of ways you can tackle this question, right? Like, mm -hmm. I've I've come to learn as uh, well, let's not sugarcoat it. As the world's gone to shit and has fostered and almost encouraged people to be the worst versions of themselves, a lot of people. That whole idea of never meet your heroes has been hitting me harder in the last five, six years or so than mm -hmm. ever. And, you know, people that I, I don't want to say like idolized, 
but you know, people were a that, fan of were a fan of appreciated their work and it, like i just don't like being in that weird position where you can't appreciate something because you know that the person that is involved in that process is just a shitty human being and it's it's a weird sort of like retconning of something that like what they did back in that time that you enjoyed it hasn't changed but your your perception and appreciation has been tainted by the fact that like you can't can't enjoy it anymore you know when's the last time you watched a kevin spacey movie i you know what i was never a real big fan of kevin spacey anyway um, I think, honestly, I think the last Kevin Spacey movie I watched was The Usual Suspects when it was reasonably new. Yeah. So it was a while ago. Yeah. I don't, here's the funny thing. Like we're, we've, so it, I think this is probably going to devolve into a little bit more of a discussion of what celebrity is and why it doesn't matter. But, mm-hmm. um, I, here's an ironic thing to think about, right? Like we're doing this podcasty thing about nerdy stuff and nerdy stuff is typically, uh, things that exist uh, in the media, right? Like movies, comic books, books, uh, video games, those kinds of things. And it's occurred to me over the course of the last 15 episodes of this thing that I don't actually consume a lot of media anymore. I mean, anything that we're talking about, if we want to talk about stuff that happened in the 70s and 80s when I was a kid, yeah, I'm <laughs> all over that. I, 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 I watched movies. A and Wikipedia I, I, article to read all about it. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll give you, yeah, <laughs> I'll give you a list of video games from the eighties. That's as long as my arm. Uh, but uh, like movies, like I, I was, I'm surprised continually by, Hey, did you know that such and such a movie is out? I'm like, what it is for how long? Like five years now, man. Ooh. <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure that I'm, I'm up with things, but I was thinking about this and, and, uh, I think there's there's sort of there's two there's an author called Joel Rosenberg that I really enjoyed he wrote uh, he wrote some books about uh, a, a kind of trope that I really like about people from the real world being transported into a fantasy land uh, and kind of being stuck there and the, like the stories are really interesting the characters are really engaging the unfortunate thing is that there's a lot of uh, it's a lot of very sort of male viewpoint centric stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was a teenager, that was fine. Cause I was, you know, totally clueless about those kinds of things. And I've, I've come to realize uh, not necessarily like have more knowledge about it now, but be a little more knowledgeable of how clueless I am. Right. They say that smart people, or when you, when you gain knowledge, you have more questions. You never find actual, you never find all the answers. You just find more and more questions. Um, and I'm to the point now where I'm questioning whether or not I understand things at all. Uh, and there's, there's some stuff in there now that I look back on and go, well, I know that's wrong and I'm not exactly sure how one would deal with this. And I'm not sure that it was even bad. I just think it was, uh, indelicately handled. All right. And the rest of everything is awesome. And the story could have been just as good with with all of that stuff left out like you brought it up when we did uh our little review of um a wise man's fear where it's like you know here's a dude who's you know 
<clears throat> and I got to thinking about this as so I, this is like off on a massive tangent. Let's 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 go off the rails here. <laughs> I'm just glad we got to use the sound effect. Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> 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 I got derailed by the tangent music. Okay, you uh, you, you were talking about uh, Wise Man's Fear. Uh, I think we talked about fantasy in general in the past, about how there's certain baggage that oh, didn't yes. really, yeah. Right, okay, so it, it came to this. There's a, there's a uh, subreddit that I uh, frequent called Witches Against the Patriarchy, which I'm a member of specifically because the viewpoints expressed there are often very different or from a very different perspective from my own. So it's, it's a great place to, to learn how people who think differently think. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things that pops up fairly frequently is that a lot of fiction does not have compelling or convincing female characters. And I mentioned before that I have like 150 different projects that I've started and sort of left by the way. So I have a trunk full of, you know, half written books. Half written is generous, you know, introductions sort of mostly started mm -hmm. um and uh, looking back like sort of reflecting on on the uh the female characters that i've i've created like i i can't i can't say that they're compelling or interesting or even you know like real characters and i i was reflecting on why is that because i'm not a woman i don't i don't understand the world from a woman's viewpoint mm -hmm. i can't write convincing female characters because I don't know how. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the things actually that stops me from finishing any kind of work of fiction is that I just, I don't, I can't do it anyway. So that was, that was the tangent off into the weeds of, you know, uh, whatever that was. <laughs> so, let me ask you a question, and I'm not asking this to trigger anyone. Knowing your weakness. I think I know where you're going with this. For not being able to write a strong female character. In today's day and age, in your own opinion, does that disqualify you from publicly writing? I don't think so. I think it's, there's, two, there's two sort of ways to approach it. Um, and the one that I'm currently trying to work my way into, um, and I'm, I'm going to recruit some friends to help with this, is to learn enough to at least be able to um, sort of step around easily misleading and easily like the, just the stupid shit that mm – -hmm. You know, uh, like some of the things, some of the things that some men believe about how women work are just flabbergasting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I know that I don't understand stuff and I'm sure that I have misconceptions as well. But there's there's some things I, I remember reading a story about uh, a guy's a, a woman is going on vacation with her, her boyfriend. And, you know, it's like, oh, OK, so the, it's coming up and I'm going to be on my period while 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 we're on vacation. And he says to her, well, can't you reschedule it? <laughs> like, like I, I know I don't know a lot, but, but that's a stupid question anyway. So like, just, you know, like that, that aside, mm -hmm. um, 
I, I think there's two ways to, to go about it. The one is that you learn enough that you can, at very least, not maybe not a main character or from from the perspective of a woman, you can still have women in your stories mm. who are actual characters as opposed to cardboard cutouts or, or foils for the main character. Or you can go in the other direction and just say, I know that I don't understand the world from a woman's point of view. So there really aren't any women in my book except, or story or whatever you're writing, except to say, this is how I see their behavior. Um, I think both can work. You just have to be very careful about not, uh, I, I mean, I have, <laughs> I, I have a propensity to mansplain things. And I don't do it because I'm trying to be condescending. I do it often because I know something and it's like, woohoo, I know something. I really want to share it. Uh, so it's a, a little bit more like, like a, a puppy chasing mm -hmm. a stick than anything else. But you have to be careful not to be in a position to say, you know, uh, because you can't write something, I don't think, or at least I've never found anything that I've, I've read that doesn't lecture a little bit. Right, and you have to be mm -hmm. careful not to to project a worldview of this is how women should be. Mm -hmm. Right, that's that's the number one and the easiest trap to fall into because it's it's easy to look at something, anything, any social issue, and say, all right, we're going to set all emotion aside and we're going to take the time to write down how everything should work. And you know what? Like when you write stuff down like that. It seems really compelling until you realize people have feelings and logic doesn't always work. So going back to uh, the name of the wind and, and a wise man's fear, one of the things that Patrick Rothfuss seemed to emphasize, um, and I don't know if he was projecting, but through the character of Quoth, it was like, very clear. I don't know how women work. Yes. You know, I don't know how women feel. I don't know. I don't understand them. I don't know how to talk to them. I don't know how to, to be with them. But he never really did the other side of that. Like he didn't write a character that didn't know how to be with women and then have another character swoop in and say, this is how you be with women. It was sort of left vague. So as an author, uh, maybe that is a projection of his understanding his own limitations. Do you, do you find that sort of handling of it? Like from, you know, we really should be talking to women about this, but how did I, you I, feel about the way he handled that? I, I thought he did pretty well up until uh, what you pointed out where, uh, where he wrote down basically all women are whores, you know? And at that point it was like, okay, no, mm. no wrong bad you know you present your nose i'm gonna whack it with a newspaper try again um and on that on that note if you if you are a woman and you're listening congratulations like this is this is there's a lot of hurdles to get to this point there's a lot of places where yeah. i think you know most women would go oh these Do you two like dudes pain like Jesus Christ. But if you are a woman and you are listening and you would like to give us your opinion, please do, because I want to hear it. Like I I <laughs> want to learn. I want to learn. And I can't learn without, without hearing from people who know. I think and I'm not going to pat myself on the back because I, I, I'm not, 
I'm not in the right here. But I have a habit of, I understand I, I, I'll never understand women. You know, I've been married for, well, technically married for, you know, a million years, functionally married for two million years. <laughs> I don't understand women, my wife, much more than I did the, the, the day I met her. And that's on me. I don't, I find myself in a dilemma and I'm going to talk about my uh, tabletop game that I run, my Tuesday night D&D game. Uh, I'm in a position where three of the players at my table are women. Um, they stuck around, some, so you're doing something some right. players and, 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 and some attrition and stuff and, and not all of them are playing women characters in game, so... You know, it balances out a little bit there in terms of the demands it places on me as a DM. But I find, I don't, I don't think I consciously overcompensate, but I do, in hindsight, look back at this game and find that I've definitely created more important NPCs, stakeholders, uh, people that they're involved that are, that are women, and and you know because of my limitations, they're fairly shallow. I'm mm -hmm. sure there's some some well trodden cliches that I'm I'm kind of sticking to. I'm I'm aware of the baggage, a lot of the negative baggage that uh, Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy literature and nerddom as a whole has had, and I, I yes. do my best to try and avoid a lot of those pitfalls. But I, I, I can't avoid writing women and, and creating women characters and, and NPCs because I've got a table uh, mm -hmm. with women at it of, of diverse ages. And I, I don't say this to say that, like, it's been overly challenging. It's been eye-opening. And more in retrospect, as I, as I go back and sort of summarize my story, like I got to do some planning tomorrow. Uh, we've been on a couple of week hiatus just with some vacations and stuff. And uh, I was a little under the weather this past week. So uh, postponed our, our first game back until uh, Tuesday this week coming. And I got to do some prep work. And I'm like, okay, well, let me think about all the stuff that we've done. And I'll look at my notes. And it's a lot of the characters like the npcs that the plot moves through around the characters like most of the plot moves through the characters themselves but you know where i insert other characters to sort of flesh that out they build relations you know they have these almost like deity kind of like uh patrons matron type characters that are, are um choosing them as, as as champions to to do certain stuff and through pure happenstance, those have all, either through my own choices or through the players' choices, have, have, have been female characters as well. Mm. Positions of power, positions of, of, of completely trivial, uh, some of them antagonists, some of them, you know, ancillary adjacent protagonist kind of characters. It's, it's a, a world filled with female characters, and I actually find myself 
struggling to fit the male characters in. Hmm. You know, and I don't, again, it's not, no, this isn't, oh, I DM at a table with women and he's not confident enough to, to put male characters in its game. It's, it's not been that. It's been by complete accident. I'm just recognizing that here's where I've, I've kind of landed. Hmm. And hey, they're all at the table, like you say. You know, they're still sticking around. We've been going for, what, a year and a half now. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that. And, and everybody's quite happy, I think. You know what? But, I, like, for, for any D&D table to last for a year and a half is actually quite an accomplishment. So, I mean, kudos on that. Um, I think here's a funny thing is that I think it's one of those things that asking the question is almost the answer to the question. Right? Like the fact that, that you think about it is not necessarily a solution, but it's, it's the first step on the way to, you know, this isn't quite so bad. Mm -hmm. This is an awfully long way from, from furry noir, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a tangent that got us here and I'm, I'm glad we're having the conversation, but it is, it is kind of funny. Um, yeah. And I, I will absolutely echo your thoughts. I don't, I don't understand my wife any better than the day I met her. I don't. She's awesome. She's great. She's very, very patient. <laughs> uh, with us they have to be they gotta be they gotta be hey do you want to do some pod bag stuff let's do some pod bag stuff you've got mail should we start referring to ian as like our mascot um, I almost think that he's like the third member of our crew. He only he only writes in as opposed to actually talking on the podcast. Mm. He's the guy that like refuses to return to the office to work. <laughs> he's he's our he's our remote podcaster. <laughs> probably contributed more to the show than we have, but can't be bothered to show up. Yeah, that's entirely yeah. true. What the fuck, man? <laughs> All right. Put on a headset. Call in. Let's do it. He's hitting us up with another one of his burning questions. What is your ideal hot dog? How is it prepared? What kind of condiments are on it? Personally, I love putting crushed potato chips and dill pickles on mine. You know what? I was, I, I actually, I prepared for this podcast, everybody, more so than any podcast that we have done so far. Get hot I actually, what? <laughs> No, I sat down like a half an hour before we were starting and read the document. It just, it was sort of ironic that this is the one that was the most empty set of show notes that we've had so far. It literally, when I first opened the document, it had a question from Ian. That was it. It had nerd fights. That's, That's he's, it. He's the only and one it, that works. A question from Ian. But I looked at it and I thought, you know what? Crushed potato chips is a really great idea. I do enjoy crushed potato chips on hamburgers as well. They uh, they add just a little bit of crunch, which is nice. Um, so I'm interested uh, to do it on hot dogs. Now, here's the funny thing is that I don't actually like hot dogs all that much. My wife loves them. I'm I'm not a big fan. I like I like my tubular meat to be more identifiable. Yeah, I mean, not know. a not not a great deal more identifiable because I, I do quite love sausage. <laughs> uh, uh, but hot dog is, here's a funny thing that I learned the other day is that, is that a hot dog is actually not 
a specific kind of meat, a hot dog is like a spice profile. Mm-hmm. So you can make it out of you can make it out of whatever you want as long as you put the appropriate spices mm-hmm. in it. Uh, oh, I know. But, and why do I know? Oh my God, have you worked in a hot dog factory? I, I ran a restaurant called the Hot Dog Factory. Oh, that's right too. Yeah. Yeah. So so my wife and I. This is going back. She's uh, ten years now, almost. Ten ten years. Yeah. Well, I lived. I still lived in Belleville. Yeah. Uh, we started a restaurant that specialized in, in craft, like made from scratch, hot dogs and sausages. And that was the whole shtick. Now we were one of those places that like a lot of our menu items featured the, the, the stuff that has the Instagram appeal, like our Mm. most popular recipes were, you know, there's a hot dog and then there's a pile of something on top of it. You see it with a lot of burger joints today too, right? So we had like. I love peanut butter on a burger. It's, yeah. it's one of my favorite sort of go-to. It's so weird and it's, it's so It's better good. though, like if you if you get real peanut butter and not like a sweet and sort of commercial peanut yeah. butter, uh, just that that umami punch, it's just mm-hmm. fantastic. It's good in meatloaf uh, too. Yeah, I have to put it in meatloaf. I'll have to try it. I'll, yeah, I could probably hide it. <laughs> I, don't <know> if Tanya, <laughs> I don't know if Tanya will give me permission if I ask, so. I mean, Don't just ask. have to do it one day. Forgiveness I mean, is way like, easier. Hey, this tastes a little bit different, but it's kind of good. What's in it? Uh, you know, special sauce. <laughs> I left I left the mayonnaise out in the sun for a couple of days before I used it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, we, we had a restaurant that specialized in, in, in gourmet hot dogs and weird recipes with a whole bunch of shit on it. Like our most popular one we called the Tijuana, which was basically taco beef and... and uh, like corn chips and and miscellaneous pile of cheese uh, looked amazing, impractical to eat, but everybody loved it. Like we could couldn't make those things fast enough. Um, I was a big fan of uh, our Honolulu ham job, <laughs> just because of the name. Oh yeah, we had funny names for most of the stuff. But it's, you know, th- this context is important because when you get back to what my ideal hot dog is, it's pretty plain. Now, yeah. I'm, I don't like. Have you ever gone to like Montreal and had the steamies? No. I mean, to each their own. I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum, but not for me. I like uh, a hot dog that has. Even if it's like par cooked in water just to, to cook it through and then it sees time in a pan or a roller or something to give the skin just a little bit of snap mm-hmm. you know doesn't need to be fried but you know like i prefer that even grill marks something on the like even before like putting something on the barbecue at something where it's in contact with with hot metal <laughs> and i just like me some some mustard and some some ketchup and i do like a lightly toasted bun keep it real simple i you know what you say this and i i it's funny because i keep i keep going back to uh the hot dogs that i loved had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the actual hot dog themselves it had to Mm -hmm. do with where it came from every so often when i was a kid because it was it was a drive like it was an hour an hour and a half drive uh to get there we would go and watch the local hockey team play and i mean oh my god you watch like shorzy or something like that where you, they're they're filming in the the sudbury arena where you see 
you know, there's, there's seating for a couple of hundred people. Like if you put the little arena that we used to go and watch the local hockey team play at, if you put 150 people in it, some of them were standing up. Uh, but we would go every once in a while and we would go at, at halftime or, or not halftime at, at like between periods and get a hot dog at the concession. And I think this is how old I am. I think hot dogs cost a quarter. Um, but they would come in a tinfoil package and they were like, the bun was steamed. The the hot dog was boiled. It was awful, right? By any standards of, of actual food, taste, texture, terrible hot dog. But the atmosphere that I got it in and eating it out of that little tinfoil packet with a little bit of ketchup and a little bit of mustard on it, it's just absolutely perfect. Right. It's a nostalgia thing for me. It has absolutely nothing to do with the taste of the food. The same thing happens to me actually at Taco Bell. Taco Bell does not make good food. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get a Pepsi sponsorship. So it's okay for me to diss Taco Bell a little bit. I love going to Taco Bell and the food is absolutely. You do it every time you're down here. I do. And the food is absolute shite. And I'm disappointed every time. But I keep going back. Is it? Purely nostalgia, or is it the scarcity thing because you don't have a Taco Bell close to home? Um, I have a Taco Bell close enough that I could probably scratch that itch if I needed to. We do actually have a Mexican restaurant in town, right? It's, it's okay, but that's of, not the same. No, it's actual food at the yeah. restaurant here in town. Like, there's somebody who actually cooks the things and puts mm. them to this. Is yeah, it's not. We used to have a joke. It, the nostalgia for me comes um. Uh, when I was in college, I used to go to Taco Bell for lunch every day because at that time you could get uh, a, like the number two meal, which was two hard tacos and fries for and a drink for like a buck forty nine or a buck ninety nine or something like that. Fuck your uh, old. Yeah, and not only that, but the girl behind the counter had a crush on me, so I got the employee discount and I got it for like less than that. So it was basically lunch was a dollar. Um, and we used to joke because a friend of mine and I, we used to go every time and we used to say, you know, this meat seems a little, a little odd. You know where I think it comes from? I think, you know, on the back of milk cartons, this is like, this is dating me too. Cause they used to put missing children's pictures on the back of milk mm-hmm. cartons. And it's like, you know, those pictures of the kids on the back of milk cartons, I think they cut those out and grind them up. And that's the taco meat. Like it's not the actual kids. It's not. It's just. Is they cut out well, the milk it's too curtain. much meat for the for Taco Bell. Yeah, it's a you meat know what? process. It's just gonna say there's something to be said for meat paste and edible. What is it? Pasteurized processed edible plastic cheese food product. <laughs> extruded. You got to get extruded in there somewhere. <laughs> so extruded meat paste and yeah. pasteurized processed edible plastic cheese food product. Fry oh, Supreme, man. I love Fry Supreme. Oh, and they're so terrible. They're, they're the worst. They're, they're, they're not even food. Like literally the worst. Not not figuratively. Literally the literally worst. Literally the worst. Uh, <laughs> but good. You know what? I'm not ashamed just, to admit it. I just keep going back. I couldn't there's, eat it every day, but I like it. It's like cheese, cheese whiz. It's processed cheese food, and they have to tell you it's food because otherwise you wouldn't know. <laughs> I stole that joke from somebody and I don't know who. So like if you're if you're a professional comedian and you're you're watching this and you've just heard your joke. Sorry, man. But I heard it in the 90s, so I'm pretty sure it's in the public domain by now. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up with some parting gifts. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Anybody want a peanut? 
Now, I have to apologize in advance because this is the one <laughs> the one part of the show I, I was least prepped for. Like, I was prepared to wing the rest of the show. And uh-huh. we were getting ready to hit the record button. I'm like, oh, I don't have anything. Here's something. So here's something. Uh, I, I generally try and avoid talking about, like, super high-profile YouTube channels. One, they don't need, you know, what little exposure we're giving them. And and there's part of me that's like, hey, I'm the underdog, but there's like that next level up that's also kind of the underdog, and I'd like to plug some of them. Uh, but I'm going after a big dog today. Uh, but it is a wonderful channel, if you've never watched it, called Kurtz Cassette. It's, it's, it's a terrible name. You'll recognize it. If you just do a search for In a Nutshell, you'll find it as well. Um, it's a channel that does sort of animated educational stuff. You've probably seen some of their videos, even just as shorts. They've got these very sort of, I don't want to use the term cartoony because it's, it's got a very, uh, if you've ever watched some of the older, um, crash course videos, uh, that, uh, John and Hank Green did where they were animation style from, a, a company called Thought Bubble, I think it was. Uh, it's very much sort of in that style. They got their own thing going, though. You'll see these little animated bird things that are featured in all of their videos. And they'll cover everything from, you know, cataclysmic events to, to, you know, literally the universe ending to diseases. My wife calls it the Doom and Gloom channel. Uh, the the guy that does the voiceover for the English-speaking uh, version of the channel is a very sort of unique voice. And as soon as you hear him, it's like... Doom and gloom, doom and gloom. I actually find that most of their stuff leaves off on a kind of a hopeful tone. It's like, yes, climate change is going to be very bad if we don't do anything, but here's 72 things that we could start doing now to make a difference. You know, lots of it, people are doing things. Yeah. And, and, and they generally try and focus on like, listen, you personally are going to have a hard time making a difference if all you're focused on is what you can change in your own behaviors. But you know, they try and try and educate and like, you know, hey, you got to be talking to people in government. You got to be, you know, making educated decisions and how you vote and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, check them out. Um, one of the more, and it wasn't always the case, they had some speed bumps in their early years, but one of those channels that like, writes a script, vets it, sends it away to be peer-reviewed, occasionally has lawyers looking at it uh, before they bring it out just to make sure it's as as informed and accurate as possible and sort of small, easily digestible little nuggets. And it's quite entertaining. And also, if you're a sucker for doom and gloom like I am, you want to understand the heat death of the universe or, you know, what happens during a supernova, I mean, there's that too. Yeah, you said the world was going to end when? Uh, what time is it? <laughs> uh, Soon. Yeah, any minute now. Any any million or two million or three? Oh, sorry. You said billion. Oh, thank God. Did I? Uh, 